Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. All right, we're back for another episode. Hello, K-Dog. Hello, Teresa Duncan. How do you be, my friend? I'd be good. I'd be good. I have coffee, so I'd be real good. Ooh, I'd be glad. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have two stories to talk about today. Hopefully this won't be too overwhelming because we have some heavy topics, but they're good topics. They're essential topics. First thing I want to ask is, are you ready for the second month of the year. How was your first month? Did you sail through? How'd you do? You know, the first month actually felt pretty good. A little, little bit of hope out there about what's coming. And, uh, you know, my, my parents got their first uh, round of the vaccine. So there were some good things that happened for sure. And listeners could see me. I'm wearing my red shirt today. So, you know, Valentine's Day mode. Hey, just, just already plowing through, you know. <laughs> That's right. It's it is time to plan the uh, the romantic night. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, Norman and I have to figure out, do we leave the house this year <laughs> or true. do we stay indoors like we do every year pretty much? And Yeah, you know how Dana and I are going to celebrate Valentine's Day. Where are you guys going? Well, so she's going to go to Michigan and I'm going to go to Oklahoma. So it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> at least they know we love them dearly. They do. So. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll celebrate. I'm sure we'll probably order like a big big thing of ribs like we like to go crazy with the meats so we get a big thing of ribs yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's get out of uh personal mode here because i'm sure everybody wants to know our eating habits on valentine's (laughs) day but uh let's go to the first story you were reading an article about uh, a little girl yeah and i think it's it's certainly something that you know it's it's important to talk about it's something that we hate to see but yet we know happens dare I say, too often in our industry. Uh, there's a report out of Wisconsin about a seven-year-old girl who passed away in the dental practice. You know, to me, it's a reminder that we've got to take preparedness seriously. We have to, you know, the, the CPR train, you know, and I'll be honest, Teresa, I'm not even sure what happened to CPR train during a pandemic. Was it online? You know, I'm curious, and I probably should ask you that before we started, but all this training that I know dental professionals go through to prepare for an emergency in the practice, and yet there are times that things like this happen, and, you know, maybe no amount of preparedness can help you. But just to to sum up, and, and I know that you'll have the link to it in the show notes, there was a little girl who passed away seven years old. She was visiting the dentist to have her tooth removed, but her her heart reportedly stopped halfway through the visit, and then the office performed CPR. Uh, She was transported to a local hospital, placed into a medically induced coma, and taken off life support six days later. My gosh. The thing to know is that uh, this little girl, and and again, there are pictures of her, and and it just, you know, as a parent, it rips your heart to, to hear about something. Sure. That she did suffer from, uh, it's called Cohen syndrome, which they describe as a rare congenital disorder. So there were some underlying conditions here. But at the same time, you know, there, there's nothing that can prepare you for something like this happening in the practice. Hmm. I wonder if the doctor's notes will show that that was present, that they had asked for that in the medical history. I'll, I'll be curious. You know, there's still, uh, you know, at the time of this recording, there's still a lot going on behind the scenes that they have not released. Uh, I know that there was an investigation that was being done. 
Not that we're saying anything wrong happened in the practice by any stretch, but uh, they were investigating to see what really went down. And, you know, so often, Teresa, you talk about documentation and how important that is. And if it's not in the notes, it didn't happen. I mean, you've drilled that into my head. And, <laughs> and you're right. I'll, I'll be curious to see exactly what the medical history intake looked like and, and the questions that, that should have been asked and hopefully were. So I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but, you know, just having read a gazillion cases and summaries and talking to lots and lots of malpractice lawyers, I'm going to venture that the flow of information on the chart should look something like this. So let's just kind of go through it. Asking, do they have any anything that they're being treated for? And you said Cohen's disease? Uh, yeah, Cohen's syndrome, yes. So Cohen's syndrome. So that I'm sure would have been diagnosed and known to the patient so or the parent. And that should show up in the medical history that that was, you know, disclosed on the forms. Now, if it's not disclosed on the forms, there's a little bit of a, I guess, a cushion for the dentist. I mean, the, the dentist lawyer will be happy to see that if it wasn't, you know, disclosed. So if it was disclosed, then you're, they're going to look for some sort of informed consent that specifically mentions, you know, the medical history and, and that there's risks and all that. So they did sedation, you said? I believe that's right. So if they did sedation, then I'm sure that they signed a whole bunch of forms. And I mean, the doctors in general, the doctors who do IV sedation or oral sedation in the office, they tend to be really good about documentation. So hopefully that is the case with this office and they have the documentation. And yes, she was under anesthesia, uh, the report says. Oh, uh, while she was sedated. Okay. Yeah, is when the heart, uh, her heart stopped, so. So hopefully then they, and this is the other thing too, I was talking to a doctor and I was really surprised about this because I honestly, as a, somebody in the office, I wouldn't have thought about this because your mind's like going crazy, but there is documentation to be made right after it happens. Like when the ambulance is coming or has left, you should be documenting right then and there instead of staring like basically documenting your response to it, documenting the steps that you took and then not altering anything, like making sure that documentation doesn't get changed. Because in a situation like this, you know, it's going to court. So you don't want any edits or anything like that. That's a really good point. And even if it doesn't go to court for some reason, all it takes is the board to want to look into it. So that's, that's another reason to make sure that your, that your stuff is, is in order. And I would call your malpractice attorney as soon as something like that happens. They do not want to find out later. They want to know and be in the loop when it happens. And I think that it's really important to to have, dare I say, a mock drill almost. Uh-huh. If something like this happens in the practice, what do you do? Because, you know, I've, I've read stories that of the dentist and the team member arguing about what should be done. Oh, yeah. While seconds are ticking away. So I'm just going to encourage that, that a- absolutely check that medical history form. Make sure if somebody says nothing's changed since the last visit that it really hasn't. I'm also going to say those mock drills are so important as well as whenever we do get back to hands-on medical training, don't take it lightly. Don't take it like, well, I get a day off or, you know, I I can kind of zone out or check my phone. I think that moments like this show just how important it is. For those listeners who maybe they're new or haven't gone through anything like this, maybe, do you mind if we spend like a couple minutes on on what that looks like? You said mock drill, but one other aspect of documentation in general is that if you go to court and you don't show that there was some sort of training in the office on medical emergencies, especially if you're offering sedation, I mean, that stuff, you need to have all that stuff in order. So, you know, it's, it's a good idea to have that kind of training and document it. And from a managerial point of view, 
anytime that we had big team trainings on anything, that was documented either in the schedule or I had a managerial log that I kept. It was just a a Word document. It was a book at first, and now then it turned into a Word document that was password protected. Basically, my boss and I were the only ones who could see it, but it basically listed what we did as an office. And so that would have been entered in. So they're going to ask, you know, how, how often did you train for medical emergencies? Can we see the existing contract with your, you know, medical emergency, the, the medicines that you get, the, the kit? So here's what you do if you haven't done this before. And of course, like I said, if you offer sedation, this is probably all outlined, but just a regular general dentist office, you have to get the medical emergency kit, you have to get everybody together, and then you assign roles. So that's that's what you do. You say, okay, when when a patient starts being in distress in the office, somebody has to let the front know immediately because then the front can call 911. Mm-hmm. So then 911 is called and then somebody from the office, typically an admin person, is responsible for going down to the front of the building if you know especially if it's a big building you've got to go down to the front of the building or stand outside and look for the emergency services to come in then you have hopefully one clinical person that is assisting the doctor with the efforts and uh, hopefully another person is making sure that the medical history because the medical history is on the computer mm-hmm. the medical history should be printed out because the EMTs will want to know so I remember listening to one podcast uh, with our friends, A Tale of Two Hygienists, who are also on the Dental Podcast Network. And uh, Michelle had interviewed one of her friends who's an EMT. And she said the amount of people who, when they go and they say, what medications are they on or what did you give them? They're flustered. They don't have that information for them. And the EMT has to make a call. They need to know how much sedation did they have? Right. What kind of, you know, did you give them a ton of Xanax? Like, so help the EMTs deliver the best care because that could come back to bite you in the butt too. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do with the medical emergencies. And, and that's such a great point. I, I'll be honest, I never would have thought about that. But you're exactly right. Having something to hand to them and to say, here's the history, here's the, the amount of sedation that was given or whatever it might be. That's a great idea. Great tip. I wouldn't have thought of that too. I mean, I'll, I'll admit when I listened to the podcast, I was like, oh, wow, because you don't hear it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And then you have to have someone basically to slap the doctor in the face and say, dude, you need to write some stuff down. You need to kind of keep things in in motion. And then then one team member has to be assigned to deal with the family because the family is going to, if their family's not there or whatever, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of tasks. And then if you only have like four people in the office, you got to decide who's doing what, when, and what's the flow and all that kind of stuff. That's so great just to say these are things that you've got to think about. And obviously, every practice is going to be different. Every locale is going to be different. But I think it's something that you really do have to talk about. And you have to really say when this is your job, that you take that so seriously. And it's not one of those, oh, this will never happen. I don't need to worry about it. You know, because that's one of the biggest things that that I've heard so often, and I'm sure you have as well, is people going, well, I, I never thought it happened to me. Or I never thought it happened here. And now that we have, you know, COVID, uh, if anybody is it's sick with COVID or whatever, the comorbidities make a big deal. But just in general, the U.S. is not as healthy as it used to be. So you can imagine that at some point, somebody unhealthy is going to come into your office, if not multiple instances in one day. So <laughs> you've got to make sure that you you know CPR, of course. You know, the more I think of it, there's rural areas that don't have a CPR person. I think they've done virtual trainings on that before. 
I mean, it's definitely better to do it on the the mannequin. When was the last time you had CPR training? Uh, you know what? A decade ago, maybe. I mean, Dude. to be perfectly honest, I know. I mean, yeah, five minutes, five minutes, five years for me, I think. Yeah, five years, and but I need it. I mean, I need it more. I actually, I should probably go get it done again. Norman too. Norman was getting it regularly because he's a diver. Yeah, we both have aging parents, Kevin. We should probably know how to do this stuff. <laughs> and in my head, I'm going, you know, whenever we're speaking in a crowd. Yeah. I mean, things like that, you just start going, yeah, we, I mean, everybody should know it. Let's be perfectly honest. But, but yeah. Wow. So yeah, now that, now I feel guilty for not, not having stayed up on my, yeah. you know, my dad going, are you going to help me or not? <laughs> you know? I mean, other than calling 911, I, I'll be honest, right? At this very moment, I'd be like, it'd be guesswork. Uh, you know, am I doing this right? Here's what you have to remember because this was drilled into my head. Okay. Staying alive. The BG staying alive. Oh, I've heard that. That's right. When you are pushing down, yeah, you have to do it with the staying alive cadence and uh, and then two breaths and then uh, 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 staying alive. Then you go back to that, you know. I don't know if I'd be up for it. I think I would struggle. I really do. If I had to do it. We don't know how we're going to react in that kind of situation, especially if it's somebody that we love that's right there. You know, I mean, my, oh, wow. Preparedness, whether you're a normal citizen or actually, you know, in a dental practice. I mean, yeah, it's, it's vitally. I don't know if I've ever had anybody in distress in any of my classes. I mean, other than from the subject matter, but <laughs> in physical distress, I, <laughs> in physical distress, I don't know because, but you know, I bet somebody at some point was not feeling good and went home afterwards. And I mean, the odds are that we've had somebody in our office that was unhealthy and could have been at any moment a ticking time bomb. I can tell you that I was at a conference, and I won't say which one, but I'll tell you later. But I was at a conference, and and there was a medical emergency in one of the other rooms. It wasn't mine, mm. uh, but there was in one of the other rooms. And I remember that uh, it was happening right around the time that we were taking a break in my room, and so they cleared the hallways to to get you know the stretcher through and all that stuff. So yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Wow. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that till you just said that. But yeah, that's right. Wow. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't in your classroom then, Kevin. Exactly. People just fall asleep in mine, you know, so it's, it's, they get a nice nap. Well, but you know, we could always just say, hey, is there a doctor in the house? And luckily, <laughs> we're good. Then they'll pull the hangover. I'm just a dentist, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they'll pull out. like, no, no, no. I know you took CPR. Get up here, doctor. Get up here. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, well, so the, the little girl is, uh, unfortunately she's passed away. Yeah. I, I feel for the parents. My goodness. You take your child in, you're doing something good. And, and yeah. this goes, it's, it's a terrible story. And, and from what I understand, and, and I'll look this up, I believe the parents were actually there in the office. Of course, uh, you know, they had brought her in. There's a, there's a lot of pictures of her, uh, you know, and you can, you know, there, there are times that you could tell somebody has a medical condition and, mm-hmm. and, and it's very obvious with her that she did. And, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad story all around. There's no question about it. Well, so condolences to the family Absolutely. and hopefully the, um, the office has all their P's and Q's in order. And what is that? Dotting the I's and crossing the T's. I hope. All yeah, that. I hope so too. Absolutely. So. Ooh. Well, that was a downer. I, 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 well, you know me. It's, it's what I do. But, you know, I, but I, I just think it's so important that as, as we start into this new year, we talk about all the things we're going to do to improve our practice, improve numbers, improve connection with patients. That's a great thing to throw in there to, to make your practice better in 2021 is that you're actually more prepared for an emergency than, than you were in 2020. 
I think everybody knows that nobody was prepared for 2020. No, so yeah. absolutely not. If you made it through January, you're already, you're good. Oh my Lord. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I, I wanted to bring up a topic that I've been following for a while, but then I kind of dropped off with it. And so now I'm circling back to it because I think it's important. I've been hearing more and more stories about this topic, which is something called health literacy. And they talk about health literacy in the broader terms of healthcare in general. But when it comes to dental, there have been articles, you know, written about health literacy, but for the most part, it's more focused on the medical side, but they have great examples of that. So when I say health literacy, Kevin, what do you think, what comes to mind? I, I think having a, a, a more than basic knowledge of what, how health impacts uh, that whole oral systemic link that we talk about. Okay. That's what I'm going to throw out there. Okay. So that is part of it. Okay. But... Now let's go even more to a basic Even deeper. Even deeper, even deeper. So in the Affordable Care Act, they defined it as uh, the degree to which an individual has the capacity to obtain, communicate, process, and understand basic health information and services in order to make appropriate health decisions. Okay, so on its face, it kind of sounds like, well, what you're talking about is, and let's go back to dentistry, you're talking about dental IQ. Do patients really understand why they need this done and this done? But it's even deeper than that. It is, uh, and there's a, a charter written by Calgary on this topic uh, up in Canada, obviously. Health literacy is the use of a wide range of skills that improve the ability of people to act on information in order to live healthier lives. That was a mouthful, but this is the important part. These skills include reading, writing, listening, speaking, numeracy, and critical analysis, as well as communication and interaction skills. So that's a big ball of wax. So I'd like to break it down if I could, Kevin. Please do, because that, like you said, it's a lot. It's a big ball of wax. So here's, and why I became interested in this a gazillion years ago was because I had a patient where I realized I thought I had done a really great case presentation and a financial presentation and everything was going well. And at the end, I, you know, he went to sign it and I realized it was the signature was weird. It was just weird, right? So something just clicked. And I was like, this is really strange. It was it was like initials, but not even initials. It was just like a, a blur. And he, you know, he left or whatever. And then he came back and his sister or somebody, a female family member came with him to the next office. And she said, or next appointment, she said, can you explain everything that you explained to him to me? And I said, you know, sure, I got permission. And I said, sure, I went over and she said, well, because he really doesn't understand anything he's signing. He's listening to it, but he can't read. Hmm. So I was like, oh, wow. What do you mean? So she said he can't read. And then it made sense because his signature was basically a scribble. And, you know, basically like a, a just initials, what he thought initials should look like. I'm telling you, it was a weird signature. Wow. She said to me, anytime you really need to talk about something, you know, big or expensive, could you please give me a call? He knows I'm asking about this. And so she became part of his care team, but had he not had a sister who cares, I would have come away from that thinking, huh, that's odd, but not given it two more thoughts. And here's a guy who went home, maybe understood what I was telling him, but doesn't have the ability to read up on it or research it and is probably embarrassed. So doesn't want to ask anybody for help on this. So that was something that I ran into a long time ago and I kept that in mind. So we have a population that, for the most part, is fairly literate, but we have huge parts of the population that are not literate. 
so literacy is one thing, but also the, oh gosh, where did that term go where I used the, the numerical part, the numeracy. So that, that has to do with understanding the numbers and, and understanding, you know, basically anything with numbers, right? Yeah. That could even be taking your medication and dosing. So imagine uh, somebody, uh, let's take our parents, for example, what if they had diminished reading capability and we weren't there and there's 700 micrograms versus 700 milligrams. This happens all the time. And they pointed out that there are studies that tie death to literacy because of overdosing and and bad care afterwards, the patient side of it. Wow. Got to be honest, I didn't even think about any of that. I mean, that's that's really fascinating, though. I am here to entertain and educate. So let let's talk about that's good. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. I have a uh, link that I'll send. I'll put in the show notes, and it basically goes over literacy rates by state. So just off the top of your head, Kevin, do you have an idea of what the state with the highest literacy rate, meaning people who read can read? Okay, I'll go. Vermont, New Hampshire, up in the upper New England. Holy cow. How'd you know that? There's there's smart folks in the Northeast. I'm just telling you. Uh, (laughs) The highest one is New Hampshire. How about that? Then Minnesota. 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 And then uh, North Dakota. Then Vermont squeezes in there. And then South Dakota. So the Dakotas, they can read. That's interesting. Dakotas be reading. And the only reason I uh, honestly that I said that is because whenever we used to do the best states to be a dental assistant as part of dental assistant, uh, dental assisting digest, I should say, I always took into account the education level of patients and Vermont and New Hampshire always ranked very high in that. So just stuck in my head. Well, I needed to see where Virginia is and and Colorado and Virginia are two states respectively. Yes. Flipped, actually. They do not show up in the top 10 or the bottom 10. So we're middle of the road, which is just okay. So New Hampshire's rate is 94%. Virginia's is 88%. Colorado is 90%. You are you are smarter than me right now. It's what we do in the mountains. We ski and then we read. That's what we do. You know. <laughs> All right. So let's guess. And, and again, we're not we're not bashing a state, but this is just a educated guess. Which states do you think are on the bottom five? As a southern boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably head down south. I'm just gonna say uh, some of my good friends in Alabama or Mississippi, possibly. No, they are smarter than you think. I'm glad. That's good. All right. So first one is California. So 23% of adults uh, lack literacy skills. Yeah. They have the lowest rate of 76.9%. Interesting. New York, Florida, Texas, and then New Jersey. So I've, I've got to ask, those are all very populous states as well. Yes. So they actually, uh, there's, and on this, this page that I'll link it really, there's a lot of, you know, immigrants that are in these states. And so those factor into it. You know, here's what's interesting. Oh, hold on a second. 38%, almost 39% of New Jersey adults have a bachelor's degree or higher. However, they have the fifth lowest literacy rate. So that's a huge disparity there. Very huge disparity. And, you know, New York is is similar. New York has a high percentage of bachelor degrees or higher, but, you know, they're at uh, 77.9% literacy. So basically, if you're in a state, I'm not saying that doesn't mean 77% of your people coming in are going to be literate. There's absolutely no correlation in that way. But 
you should be aware that there's people everywhere, Virginia and Colorado, that could come into your office and they're very good at faking it. Something I learned from this person is that it all became clear after I talked to the sister. He would say, I don't understand this phrase. And he would point to something that was like, I would be like, what do you mean you don't understand it? But he was just pointing to anything to get me to repeat, explain a little bit more. And he would point to the x-rays instead of pointing to the treatment plan, which I always, you know, again, it, it clicked afterwards. So, so there's little things like that. And the other part of it, too, that they mentioned in this um, literacy program, too, is that there's also the ability to hear. That affects your understanding and therefore your health literacy, not necessarily your literacy reading, but health literacy or understanding. So how many people are out there, and I don't have numbers on this, but how many people are out there that you know are losing their hearing and you have to constantly, you know, say, with my dad, there's no way uh, yeah. him going into the office that he heard everything on the first try. Like I have to make him promise to wear hearing aids at his different appointments and he's, you know, rah, 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 rah. Are your parents the same? Oh, way? my dad's the exact same way. My dad will, will never wear a hearing aid. And, and I know he's not going to ever going to listen to a podcast, so I can talk about this. But, you know, I, I'm just going to tell you, my dad will refuse to do that. But so often, you know, he's riding in the back of the car. We're having a conversation in the front. He has no clue what we're saying. He has no clue whenever we ask him, a, you know, something. So that's a great point, actually. You know, it, it's not just about uh, reading comprehension, but a lot of times it's what you actually can hear. I, my grandfather, uh, just a great guy, He he would wear his hearing aid, but he would never turn it on because he was, he didn't want to run down the batteries. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so he would have the hearing aid on and he, people would talk to him and he would just nod or whatever. And you'd be like, wow, he's, these hearing aids are great, but he would never have them on. And then when something needed to be said, you would see him go, wait, hold on a second. Say that again. He'd turn on his hearing aid and. <laughs> That's awesome. And he, he would always say, Life is so much better when people aren't talking. And he would say things like that. And so he, in his mind, everybody's talking and, you know, they're arguing. My family's loud, so they're arguing or whatever. And, and he's just like watching TV and he's reading the closed caption and he's, he's happy. So really, Kevin, who are the suckers? Is it the people with the hearing <laughs> that have to hear every little thing? Or this is my grandma. That's fantastic. Just loving life watching TV and everybody's just yapping around him and he doesn't care. <laughs> you know, there's days that don't we wish we could do that. Let's be perfectly honest. Just like zone everybody out and focus on it. That's fantastic. <laughs> the takeaway on this definitely, and I'll link a lot of, I'll put a lot of links in here. I really don't have an action plan on this for the offices. So I hate going into a topic and not having like a plan for you guys. But I think the real important piece of it is to have a conversation with your team so that they're aware this is actually an issue. Because like you, like me, this doesn't occur unless it's either told to you or you, you witness it. Just, you don't think about it. I'll be honest. Now I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about some of the presentations that we do. And whenever you've got slides up that have all the words and everything else, or you and I are talking, is everybody in the room really able to read it? Is everybody in the room really able to hear it? I mean, I guess that's not really something I'd ever considered till just now. Well, I'll tell you one, one lesson I learned years ago, you know, I, I started out speaking on implants and the concept of implants includes a whole ton of words that really normal people don't talk about. <laughs> 
So OSEO integration, I'm oh. trying to explain OSEO integration to a person who's brand new, just started the job and she's like, OSEO, what the hell? You know? So I have to break it down. So in my classes, I try really hard. I'll give the word, but then I always give the description because I'm, I remember being that person and my boss is talking smart. about bone grafting and all that. And I'm like, what do you mean grafting? What the heck is that? I mean, at some point, we don't know these things. It's a great point. You're right. I remember when that point was that we went from aware to, you know, unaware to aware. But the other piece of that too, Kevin, is I'm pretty sure there's people in our classes that not only were they brand new and didn't understand what we were talking about, but even if they're there for a while, most people, when you do any kind of writing, and you as a writer know this, people read at, a, what is it, a seventh or eighth grade level. Exactly. So you have to write to that level as a as an author. You can't, I mean, a journal's different. You know, the audience is different. But for general public consumption, the reading level is typically seventh, seventh to eighth grade. I'm so glad you said that because the publications that I've worked with in the past, some of them have tried to highbrow and make, you know, put in long words. And, and I'm like, you know, you can't assume that everybody that is reading this is a scholar. Right. You know, you can't assume everybody in here, you know, uh, we love our dental assistants. We love our office managers, but a lot of them didn't go to dental school and, and hear a lot of this terminology. So you can't assume that. Absolutely. And so you're, you're spot on. Absolutely right. So I guess maybe an exercise in this is not only to have a meeting with your team and talk about this, you know, and maybe even go back in your memory banks and think, was there somebody out there that liked that? So start with the the hard of hearing, because that's easy. You you guys know who's hard of hearing because you have to yell at them. I mean, we just know those people. I'm sure Mr. Duncan has a flag on his account. So, <laughs> so not only do you talk about the people who are hard of hearing, but go back in your memory banks and talk about the people that you thought understood, but then didn't. Because our natural default is to say, people don't understand. Oh, I explained it to them already. Right. Oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this again. But is there something else going on? So- Keep that in the back of your mind. That's a really, really good point. So we've got on two little uh, homework assignments here today, I think. Oh, no, I have a third one. Hold on. Oh, there's more. Yes, there's more. All, All right. right. <laughs> Just like the My Pillow guy. And there's more. <laughs> there's so, more. <laughs> okay, so you also need to go take a look at your materials. And this is mentioned in the Literacy Project. There's a Literacy Project that was in 2020. Let me see here. And then there's one that's coming out again, 2030. So they're already making amendments on that. But one of the topics that they bring up in their writings is that you need to go through all of your forms and your website. So if your consent forms have big, huge words that you're tripping over, you need to rewrite it. And possibly you have a stock form that comes from your malpractice carrier. You don't want to necessarily change that, but maybe everybody in the office needs to take layman's terms and explain it. And that's part of the training. One thing that I always recommend now with video, people are more comfortable on video than they were when I was starting out. You had to pay people to go on video when I was starting out, but now everybody wants to get on video. Record how you would talk to a patient, record all of this as a manager, and then that's part of their onboarding. So you don't have to do all this stuff all over again. So record the meeting, record the conversation, keep it as part of training, and you don't have to do it again and again and again. That's really interesting. You know, I, I have some colleagues that work at MedPro. And so, yeah, I'll be really curious to share this with them and kind of get their take on that. Yeah. If they have thoughts, let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be happy to share that with you. And then maybe with a follow-up for another podcast we do. I love that. Yep. Yep. You know what? I was going to make a joke about using big words in the description, but they're going to read the description before they listen to the podcast. So now I'm the one being 
you know, highbrow. You're so highbrow. I'm highbrow. <laughs> you know, my uh, my grandpa always used to to say whenever he was full and he didn't want any more to eat that he was sufficiently saffonsified. Saffonsified? So, so what? <laughs> sufficiently saffonsified. As an eight year old, I was just going. What, what, what? Yeah. So, yes. So as an almost 50 year old, what is this? And he may have just been making it up, but he always told me that that's a fancy word for I'm full. (laughs) So now I, I, you know, I probably should even look that up before I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Sufficiently. Exactly. Still get that. We are, we are illiterate. We don't even know this term. Holy cow. What if he just made it up? You think he just made it up? I, that's a great question. Now, you know, I probably should look that up before I said it because people are going to go, your grandpa was just pulling your legs on. I hate to tell you. So, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking my dad had me convinced that there was a type of shark called snorkel schnoz shark. <laughs> Because he used to tell me the story of Snorkel Shark. And and growing up, I never questioned. I just always thought there were. And I remember saying, you know, I don't ever see pictures of that. And he was like, what the? (laughs) What? (laughs) So we all have our moments, Kevin. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do. I got to tell you one more about my grandpa. This has nothing to do with it. But now, so I used to go over there. They live next door to us. So like. When Saturday morning came, I would run over there just because I was so excited to see him. You know, seven, eight years old, you know. And my grandpa would sit down and he'd always be like, hey, do you want some chili? Or he'd mention something he knew that I really liked. And I'd be like, oh, that sounds good. And he'd be like, we don't have any of that. (laughs) They'd walk off and I'm just like. (laughs) You know what? Your your grandfather and my grandfather. I think they would have got along just fine. They would have been high-fiving each other. What the heck? (laughs) But, you know, when you become a parent, you you relish in being able to play these games with your kids. And by the time you're a grandparent, I know Norman and I will have honed the skill. Oh, we'll be having a pat. You're exactly right. We're going to be like (laughs) taking the lessons we learned and then adding in what we've learned through the years. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. But you're going to troll Julie and I'm going to troll Noah, though, because when you get the kid, are you going to like give them a lollipop before they pick them up at nine o'clock? Oh, that's what I'm going to do. Why wouldn't you make sure that they brush their teeth afterwards? And it might have, it might be a xylitol lollipop, but that kid's getting hopped up on sugar before he comes and picks me up. Picks up. In Colorado, we've got to make sure it's the right lollipop we're giving out. You know, that's another key too. So, no. And he's getting the drum set. <laughs> he's getting all that. You know, the toy that they push around on the floor that does the popping. Pop, 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 pop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's getting, you know, and if, if he loses it for some reason, he's going to get another. <laughs> you know what? The, you go by there having a garage sale. You're like, how are you selling 10 of those? I'm just curious. <laughs> What's going on here? Oh, yeah, we hate this one. It's so loud. Oh, let me have it. <laughs> I can't wait to troll my son. He knows it too. He knows. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the gauntlet's been thrown down. There's no question. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I'm glad we ended on a happy note yes. here. <laughs> so again, condolences to the family of the seven-year-old. And we hope that you use this as an opportunity to increase your documentation and take a look at the documentation for people who may not be at your same reading level. So yeah. we... Wow, we uh, we covered a lot, and this isn't even as long as some of our regular episodes. I, high five, Evan. We were very concise 
I mean, we, we didn't start really going off the rails till the very end. So good for us. You know? We have to go off the rails at some point. <laughs> hey, we do. <laughs> I would like to do two plugs, though. Three plugs, actually. First is I hope that you all have downloaded the ebook that we talked about in our last Absolutely. episode. And there's a link in the show notes. It's free. And it's like 50 plus pages of stuff from all these experts, friendly experts that we know. And so hopefully you'll be able to use that. The second plug is that Kevin and I did a dramatic reading of the text between Dr. Lookhart and his office manager. That just dropped. So that's available now. Uh, nobody told me that. I uh, I had a good time with that. Yeah, that was good times. Good times for sure. Kevin's making a weird face, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I just I think he's regretting it, adding that on the resume. I, I canceled every uh, future trip to Alaska. Just, uh, you know, I figured they're going to be waiting for me at the Juneau International Airport, you know. So, hey, just say it. And then the third one is, Kevin, you've got something uh, that's that's dropping that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, you know, Ignite University uh, is launching. Uh, um, Dr. David Rice and I uh, have been working uh, for, for quite some time now to build up a CE platform that we think is going to be very interesting and affordable and high quality. We're bringing in some of the best experts out there, like uh, like this Teresa Duncan person, uh, you know. She and, always talks about insurance. I know. And she's so highbrow. I mean, that's that's what I told Dave. I said, this is so highbrow. But uh, no, <laughs> no, Ignite University, uh, you certainly can get through it through IgniteDDS.com. Uh, you can click on the Ignite University link there. We, we think the pricing for a full year of CE 30 plus credits, uh, we're, we're excited about what we're going to be able to launch. And and like I said, it's always always a pleasure to work with Miss Duncan, whether it's on a podcast or other projects as well. Well, appreciate it. I was honored to be a part of it. You and David always put together some real quality stuff. Thanks. And uh, we'll leave show note links for all of this stuff. And that's it, Kevin. We're done. We're done giving them something to chew on. Let's keep chewing. I can't wait till the next time that we get together because there is no telling which way we're going to head with this. At some point, we're going to be done chewing, though, and it's going to be what? What did your grandfather call it? Uh, we're going to be sufficiently saffonsified. <laughs> sufficiently <laughs> saffonsified <laughs> podcast. I got to look that up. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, dear listeners, K Dog and I are always, always so grateful that you spend your time with us. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then. <laughs>